2: This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Colnutt, and with me today is Paul Cohen, CMO of FreshBooks. And we're going to be discussing the intersection between advertising and product. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast and talk about this topic. It's an area for me, Paul, that's really interesting. I love product management, product design. I'm just a software geek and I experiment all the time. And of course, I love marketing and advertising too. And this is the world that you come from. Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be here to uh, to talk a little bit about it. So would you mind taking a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners and discuss anything that's happening at FreshBooks right now and your role at FreshBooks? Yeah, for sure. So, um as
3: you mentioned, I'm uh, the Chief Marketing Officer at FreshBooks. I've been with the company for about a year and a half now. Um and and for those who don't know, so FreshBooks it's a it's a cloud accounting platform. So, we we are in that exciting um exciting world of of accounting software. Um and our focus is really around helping small business owners manage uh manage their, their books and their uh business. So, you know, people might be familiar with other folks like QuickBooks or or uh Zero or Sage and and really kind of the difference between us and and other folks is that we focused on the owner. Um, other platforms have really built primarily for for accountants so you know ours is, is is really focused on helping manage the the day-to-day problems that an, an owner might face and keep them close to their books instead of having to rely on other
2: folks to do it for them and can you describe your role in the business how do you work how do you bring marketing and product together at FreshBook?
3: yeah for sure so i mean I, the, the role of any cmo like i i see as being kind of um you know i've 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 three real real jobs to do one is is being you know First and foremost, focused on the customer and, and just making sure that we're, we're customer obsessed in everything that we do and, and, and just, um, you know, in that inner relationship with product that we're always bringing that voice of, of the customer, whether it's at a segment or market lens, um, back into the product group to help kind of drive that, that roadmap. Um, my other roles like are around, you know, building teams and, and just making sure that, that we have, we build the appropriate teams to have the appropriate, uh, types of structures that, that we're Able to work with our product organization so that marketing and product are lockstep in terms of understanding uh, what we need to do and when, um, so that when we're building our go-to markets and and taking new product to market, that we're uh, we're able to do it. And the other the other side is around helping tell the truth. So looking at the data and being able to understand what's actually happening in the business and the product uh, with our customers and and how they're how they're evolving and changing with our product, so that we can help uh, provide those those that roadmap and and look to the future as to what we should be doing not only just like 12 months from now, but but of course, like five
2: years down the road as well. And this is this integration of product and marketing, as I alluded to at the beginning there, is something that I've got some notes in front of me about your career today. And it's, it's always in that middle ground, isn't it, between product and marketing. So I've got here vice president of marketing and communications, senior vice president of strategy and clients. Chief Marketing Officer and Co-Founder, and again, CMO at the moment. And I'm interested to know as a starting point for the conversation today, how the intersection of marketing and product for you, whether you're creating something yourself or you're going into a company, do you think of marketing from the outset? Is that one of the things that you look at first or do you look at product?
3: Yeah, I I think... um... You know, first and foremost, I'm, I'm a marketer. Um, mm. you know, I've, I've grown up being a marketer, but you know, I think, I think everything, the whole approach that I've already taken to whether you call it brand building or company building is, is really around building experiences first. Mm-hmm. And in all great companies that have been able to kind of experience any kind of real explosive growth have done so when they've, they've, they've made something and they've made experiences that create you know, whether you call it virality or something else, something that's going to be magnetic outside of, of, of marketing or pushing messaging out. You know, I've been on the other side of the equation when I was in telco, I was in the wireless category and, and we just spent gobs of money to try to get people to buy cell phones. And, you know, like, like anybody's experience, like any in any country you're in, you know, carriers spend a ton of cash trying to, trying to get you in to, to buy a, a phone. Where I think, like, what I've really kind of looked at, at my career in the last little while of doing is to to really build those experiences first. So, you know, whether I was in the toy industry, it was if if you created an amazing an amazing product, whether it was a TV show. Um, I was I was at a company called Spin Master, and we we mm-hmm. uh, create a show called Paw Patrol. And if you have kids probably in like the three to five year old bracket, you you know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it ballooned and created this massive snowball effect of of demand. Uh, for, for those products that, that we then eventually started bringing to market. And then I think in the software space, it's, it's really about understanding what are those experiences that you can create those moments within, within your software that, that really create these unique experiences that are unlike other, other bits of software out there as well. I think really kind of dialing in and understanding customer, customer pain points, all those types of things help, help you, uh, uh, help you do that and create those kind of bits of, of magnetism within your product. And, you know, at the end of it all, sure, I'm a marketer. I'm also, I like to be an efficient marketer. Uh, marketers are, are inherently fairly lazy. We like to do the, the least amount of work for the most amount of return. So if, if the product is inherently magnetic itself and people come there just for that, then we don't have to do a lot of additional work to help to, to, to drive demand and all that kind of stuff.
2: And there was something that you touched on that I I knew I wanted to ask you today anyway. And so I'm going to skip forward to the a part of the conversation that I was really interested in is yeah. th- you talked about building marketing into the product um, yeah. essentially and i'm really curious to know about any examples that you've seen so whether that's that you've been a part of or that you've just seen out in the world that you just love as examples for this podcast
3: yeah sure um it's it's kind of one of the hardest things to do is like is is to build marketing into your product i, I think you know when when i was at shutterstock we did some great things where you know uh, a lot a lot of people would come in and, and you know shutterstock of course is images and and um images and videos and, and music and also kind of in the stock realm and and so discovery is really hard so so building great recommendation engines and and things of that effect or, or building being able to codify your brand guidelines and then and then be able to only see images that would be in association with your brand those are all things that were built into that product and it's marketing because it's always just revealing more stuff that more content and more more product that you could actually uh, purchase from from the company as well so so things like that are, are, are great examples i think personally the things that i've experienced lately so i bought a new tv so i bought an L- uh, lg oled tv because we have got a, an xbox um over the holidays and so it was kind of interesting i just bought it because it was like one of the best rated ones but i've mm-hmm. then subsequently bought another because they'd built in a bunch of features like IPTV. so i've cut the cord i, I have no Cable at home. I have an over the air antenna and, uh, and, and it, and then we just use streaming services and it, it opened up like this, this whole like universe of 400 channels, which I've got. I'm like, oh, <laughs> great. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't use many of them at all. If I, I think I use one, but it's like, great. And so that, that's like kind of that, that viral nature of something that I've gone and told other people. It's like, oh, if you're going to get one, just buy one of these because it's a, it, you get all this other stuff with it. And then similarly, like a, another area in, in, in that I find is like amazing marketing that's built into. A product is, is this whole category of games like Fortnite, and Roblox, and, and how they built this whole economy around digital personalization. And, and just, it was recently one of my neighbor's, um, son's birthday. And I think he ended up getting like, everybody got him $25 gift cards for Roblox, Robux. <laughs> and, and it's just, you know, then it's like, Pictures on Instagram, all this stuff, like happy kid being able to go buy things in Roblox. So, so it's, I think, I think those are are other great areas of, of amazing ways to build, build economies and do great product marketing within, within product
2: it's funny when you said you hadn't bought a new tv and had an xbox i nearly congratulated you it feels <laughs> it just it feels like one of the, a new tv is such a big moment that i just felt like congrats you're going to really enjoy that that's going to be uh, quite fun well
3: just getting getting the xbox in in december was the <laughs> was the feat in itself so it was it was a lot of twitter notifications and 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 uh, hanging out at two in the morning with other folks trying to get uh, trying to trying to get the uh the actual uh uh, machine so it was
2: it was uh, challenging <laughs> and it's interesting you mentioned roblox as well i'm pretty it's roblox not Roblox, isn't it? is that right yeah yeah because because Rob- because i've only heard of it and this is kind of this phenomenon that i'm not too aware of i can see that it's growing everyone's talking about it but i don't know so much about how that product was grown and much about their marketing is there anything that you've seen that they do that you really really like
3: um, I mean, from a, from a marketing standpoint, I only see cause, uh, yeah, I see my kids and, and, yeah. and they use it. So I think like, you know, these, these, um, uh, everything's built, uh, all of these kinds of brands are built off of, off of like the virality and the need from, from uh, kids. And, and what I think is the, the interesting piece of all this is just how they've built like the sustainability. So, so Roblox in particular, the, the games within the game. So it's not just one game. There's multiple things that you can do. And so they're continually adding to it. Similar to Fortnite, how they'll continually launch new seasons. And they've just been able to take what is traditionally looked at gaming in itself is just like a, a, what was like a linear process and then went into like a community kind of thing um, is now kind of expanded into an, an ongoing entertainment platform where the, you can host events or they can launch movies and do do so many diff- other things within their platforms that, that they've just become, they become uh, like an extension of, of what kids do in their life as opposed to, to just being an outlet for entertainment
2: there's an interesting connection that i'm making as you're talking and i think about so i've played Fortnite. i'm a Fortnite. i don't play it so much at the moment anymore but i was kind of really into it towards the beginning and i i think about how they roll out new features and about how they know roll out new yeah new features new products within the game i guess you might call it and how they bring the audience along for that journey i'm thinking the way it works is that they provide they provide an advanced glimpse into the future about what they're working on. You always kind of get those teasers about what's being launched and when. You then have the whole pre-order process that you go through where they throw bonuses in and offers in for that. Mm-hmm. And then they have these big launch events. And as I'm thinking about it, and as you're talking about the gaming world a little bit more, I'm thinking about how that maps to SaaS products. Yeah, And and, and my, my question is, well, do you think there is a natural mapping of what we've just talked about there over to SaaS products and can SaaS products look at things in that way to make their marketing more effective so bring their audience along for the journey for like new feature rollouts and for the future of the SaaS product itself
3: yeah I, I, absolutely i think you know just when you you come at any kind of product build you know we've gone through this kind of consumerification of enterprise um software like as as you know companies like slack you know grew at a at a grassroots level in terms of bringing um bringing chat and in com- community based products into into the enterprise um we keep having to expand how we look at other types of of platforms and and what we can learn from those platforms and bring them in into our products so you know i say i said at the beginning oh, yeah i'm in in the world of accounting software nobody really sees that as being really that exciting at all but there's a huge amount of excitement around it because you know today we're you know, giving people the ability to send invoices and get uh, get those invoices paid, and um, you know, do time tracking and track their their mileage and all of that kind of stuff. None of that seems like that interesting, but then at the core of it, we're helping drive someone's business forward. So, you know, we, we are getting all of their data on like their invoices and how they're billing their clients. And, and then we're getting all of their expense data and all of these kinds of things. So there's, there's so many different places we can go with having, having all of this information, whether we're, telling people how much they should be billing um, based on where they live and, and the types of services that they're providing or we if we tell them here's what they should be spending and they're uh, uh, on average based on on the size of their company or whatever if, if from a, a mobile phone or from an internet plan standpoint there's like the fundamental like nature of small businesses that they like to network and grow their business so we could be creating marketplaces in terms of helping them kind of help build and, and connect with each other so so there's, there's so many different places that we can go in terms of just building a piece of software that does this utility for them by looking at all of these different categories and seeing how they're doing all of these different things to help build community or to, to create new experiences or to, to just like
2: create these different types of, of, of ways to bring people in and engage them on an ongoing basis. Interesting. That leads nicely into something that I'm really curious about is how it currently works at FreshBooks and then more generally about. Feature development and product development in SaaS companies, in particular. And so, just as a starting point, I'm interested to know quite broadly what do you think that marketing teams can learn from product teams, and then on the flip side, what do you think product teams can learn most from marketing teams?
3: Yeah, I think um, I think they both they both. Operate fairly differently, and and you know I'll I'll generalize here because like different product teams um, behave differently, but and different marketing teams behave differently. But you know what what I find to be kind of some of the consistent patterns is like product is is amazing amazing at like process design and management and and working in sprints and shipping items on a week in and out basis that are all working towards a a bigger rock or to with a broader picture in mind in terms of the things that they're trying to work towards. And you know marketers on on the other side are are fairly focused on delivering a Against the numbers, so whether it's revenue, um, whether it's customer engagement, or, or or mitigating churn, they're really focused on how they're driving against a revenue target with like customer motivations in mind so one of the things that um, marketers often lose sight of is like you know they're chasing the the day-to-day revenue carrot um, and, and trying to deliver on that number where they're not they sometimes lose sight of the the longer term kind of one year two year type of thing that they're working towards and and bringing kind of more of that like iterative Agile approach to delivering against marketing, with that broader context in mind. So, I think there's like an, an interesting way to help bring some of those processes and rituals uh, that product is is great at into a marketing organization. And similarly, what what I've seen is that. You know, and this is, this is not universal across all, all product places. But what I find is that product organizations sometimes lose the, the customer motivation and, and understanding at that emotional level on what they're trying to achieve. So, so being able to, to bring that back into, uh, the product team and, and having that kind of a bit more of that customer obsession is, is one of those, those key things and not just about kind of like, Achieving that job or or doing that job that they need to do, but really more around that. What is the emotional driver behind what they're, what they're trying to feel like in, in going
2: through the motions as well? Do you have separate product and marketing teams at Freshbook?
3: Yeah, so we, we have a fairly large product team. I've got a product marketing team that it did actually report into product um, uh, before I was in the in the organization. And then we brought it under uh, under marketing as well. And and no real reason other than saying, hey, let's bring the product marketing team over here. We work quite hand in hand with our, our product team and in terms of on a month in and month out and on a quarterly basis to identify like... What is, what should our roadmap be and how do we work uh, together to achieve that? Um, so, so we have, we, you know, we, we, we work, um, very well with each other. I think our product marketing team's been like great at, you know, when they're in product, they lean one way and, and what we've tried to do with them now is, is really just make them the kind of that central point for understanding, um, uh, the customer and, and what we need to do to help grow our customer from a segment standpoint, from a market standpoint, and going deep into the customer needs to be able to then um, work with the product team to help map out what needs to happen next to be able to to either grow uh, penetration within an existing customer when a new type of customer or, or enter
2: a different market. And it's interesting you use the phrase product marketing team and products marketing in general because... I want to know your opinion on the critical skills that are needed to be a product marketing manager as opposed to just a more general marketing manager. So, the difference between the two roles, but maybe a, a way to frame this that might help you is let's say there's a marketing manager out there that's listening to this podcast, but they don't specify in product, but that's really their goal. What do you think they can add to their skill set or their repertoire? What do you think they should focus on to become a product marketing manager in the future?
3: Yeah, sure. So it's, it's interesting. So our head of product, uh, marketing, she, um, we were talking about, cause we, we were staffing up within the department. We were talking about what, what makes a great product mm-hmm. marketing manager and, 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 who are the type of people we we're getting, wanted to get. And she, you know, she, she, Kind of turned it up the right way. She's like, I just need smart people who understand marketing, um, and and then they could be a good product marketing manager. And and I think it's true because the product marketing manager is a, is a fairly broad or or horizontal role. Mm-hmm. It, it does different things in different organizations, but I think at the core of it, it's it's really about being that critical link to the customer and then understanding the product and understanding usage. So I think that you know some of the things that they need to be. Really dialed into is, is data and understanding like the different sources that they need to get to be able to both understand like the external kind of factors that would be influencing a customer, then plus what's actually happening within a product. So, so just being comfortable with that, I think is a, is a, is an absolute critical thing. I think one of the other like big pieces that I look for in, in hiring anybody in in product marketing is, an understanding and an empathy about the customer. Some of the best product marketers that I've worked with are, are folks who have sat in the shoes of the customer. So, you know, if you're building, um, you know, when I was at Shutterstock, it was fairly easy because we were, you know, a bunch of marketers who were marketing to marketers. So <laughs> we all understood all the personas. We 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 had everybody who we were trying to target working at the company. So it was one of the easiest things for us to understand. Uh, it's different at, you know, at, at FreshBooks, we, 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 Target the SMB audience. And that's a very, very wide and diverse group of, of customers. And so, you know, what, what is great is when we have people who have a lived experience. So if we, if we have, you know, folks who have either started a business or, or managed a business or owned a business, those are all amazing traits to have. Of course, it's very hard to find. But sometimes we'll we'll work with folks who may have come from a family who's been entrepreneurs, and they just understand some of the tri- trials and tribulations and challenges that, that people have had um, as they've uh, as they've gone through the motions of running a business.
4: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support, 100 percent online So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
0: Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.
1: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. As you're talking, there's a lot that you're explaining about good product marketing and good product marketing managers, which would suggest to me that you see a lot of beneficial skills as being in the area of observation in terms of observing your customers, meeting their expectations, understanding their needs. It's the more emotional side of marketing. And as I'm thinking that through and as you're talking, I'm wondering what technical skills do you think are needed, if at all, and has, how has that changed over the years that you've been in these different roles? So do you think there's, if there are any technical skills, what do you think yeah. they are? And has it become more or less important over time?
3: Yeah, for sure. So I think there's, there's going to be some obvious skills that, that they're going to need to have. Like, I think that what, what we lean to and, the folks within our product marketing organization do is, is much more technical analysis of, um, usage within products. Or if we're building out a, uh, a, a different, like a feature set that we would like to build, they, they might need to be going deeper into the actual business casing, uh, around that. So from a, from a technical still step standpoint, I would say that they, they need to really be able to do is to, to build business plans and to and to mm-hmm. be able to, to have the capabilities of being able to make a whole bunch of assumptions and know that a bunch of them are going to be wrong, um, but be able to, to show how a product, a feature, a group of feature sets might might be able to help drive additional revenue into, into the organization. So it's being able to, to have those skills, to be able to take those those different types of, of, of needs or jobs to be done or pain points or whatever they may be and then translate them into an actual business case so that the organization can, can be able to decide whether or not we want to invest in a, in a uh, set of features that um,
2: that we believe is going to help grow the business over time. That's interesting. And actually, that's a really nice transition into another area which I wanted to talk about. When I think about a company like FreshBooks and even Shutterstock and some of the other companies, these are big companies that have lots of different departments sometimes, but also that have lots of different product features. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've seen marketers at SaaS companies struggle with in the past is, should they target broadly so should they target a broad audience and look at competitors and look at their industry that way or should they get more granular and undertake advertising targeting based on specific product features. Is that question clear to you? Uh, I'm kind of visualise it as I'm talking. So, should you have yeah. segment, segmented plans, marketing plans for each product feature, or do you recommend targeting more broadly? Yeah, I,
3: I would give you a very, a very solid. It depends. <laughs> so, so I think so. I think the main thing to do is to try as much as you possibly can. This is actually where it gets interesting from a marketing deployment standpoint. So mm. one of the things that I think marketers are, are very bad at is having a regimented way of shipping Ads that help understand what messaging drives demand. So one thing I did when I was at Shutterstock was we had a two-week sprint cycle around a bunch of ads that we would put into into mainly into to channels like like uh, Facebook, and and we use that as like our barometer to understand what messaging got the best type of. Um, the best type of response. And so we would try, you know, horizontal messaging, verticalized messaging, feature based messaging. We would then play with the different types of, 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 con- of, uh, imagery that we'd be putting in. And, and so, you know, in those, those, di- in those two week sprints, we would just basically come up with hypotheses on, on the Monday and then brief in the creative team and pump out a bunch of ideas. And then, you know, basically spend the second week to, to be able to put them all together and ship and then just kept that cadence going and going. And, and those are the things that kind of give you that, that un- understanding of like, Should you go broad? Should you go feature specific? Um, I think a lot of it also just depends on the behaviors of uh, customers. So, you know, whether it's, it's doing your research around SEM or SEO and understanding, um, how, how deep people are going into different features across your product, where are the areas that would hunt best and then building the appropriate content, uh, to be able to, to hook people in, um, off of those. So, you know, we, we definitely at FreshBooks do a, a lot of feature-based advertising in particular in the, in the, in the SEM space. And then we use other, uh, other other areas and other media like YouTube and uh, social channels and things like to that effect to help tell that kind of broader, more horizontal based story or the, or the most more emotional
2: story as well. And I'm also curious to know whether that's an approach that you take either at FreshBooks or whether you have in the past before you even choose to develop a product feature. So have you ever used advertising to validate a product feature idea? And is that something is that something you see have you ever seen yeah um, so I would say that larger companies don't do it as much, so mm.
3: it's which is which is kind of interesting because they should I've definitely done it, so it was um years ago, a friend of mine was in he had a company that he he ultimately sold and he was making. He had a crowd sourced uh, network that would produce content for brands. And so most of it was just static images because he wanted to feed them into social channels. And, and he had a structure and system and, and big contributor network build out that, um, that helped, uh, help do all this. And, and so two year or he'd been doing it for four years, working great, you know, good product market fit, lots of customer demand. And so when I was chatting with him, I'm like, why aren't you? why aren't you expanding into other stuff like video? I'm like, video is huge and and everybody's trying to do it and it's hard. So you want, you, you you go and do it. And he was like, very opposed to it. And so Mm. I then went and bought, bought a domain, bought a bunch of ads and, uh, or made a bunch of ads and then put them into Facebook and did a lead gen campaign. To see if I could generate any kind of interest, and so I took it back to him and said, "See, I'm looking at that, for <laughs> over a month. I got, I got like over 500 leads. You should definitely be doing this because there's interest in it." And so I, I think things like that are a great way to just kind of like test your way into demand and, mm-hmm. and test your way into whether or not there's actually any kind of like interest. And you could do it like whether it's under a company umbrella or not under a company umbrella. I think there's there's lots of ways to just be able to, to understand if there's any kind of real world demand for for specific types of products products
2: yeah that's really interesting it ties in with the point earlier that you were you were talking about advocacy so if you start to market product features and gauge the demand before you even launch the thing you give yourself the chance to build up a potential audience of people that are interested or that become advocates of that feature or of that product before it even launches so i I really like that idea yeah and i'm interested to know so having being in the SaaS space right now but having been in the SaaS space previously there's this area where I think there's an expectation from customers about things that they want from SaaS products. And if those SaaS products don't have those things, don't have those features, that could have an impact on reputation leading to poor reviews, which can then impact marketing. So I'm curious to know for you, what are some non-negotiable features that you think all SaaS products these days should have? What are customers in your experience expecting now more than ever? Yeah, I think it's um
3: it's it's really different, I think, category by category. Um mm. I would say that there's a, a couple things that that should just be that they, they should be be in all all SaaS products. Um is the first thing is is really just like a great API. So I think right now, uh the way the, the world's shifting is that, you know, every every platform wants to be the platform of platforms. So mm. if you're able to to be able to one create enough value in your product. Then if, if you can write into more platforms and create the experiences that people are looking for within a bunch of other platforms, then then that's like a great way to just continually bring people into your product. Um, just make sure you're kind of hunting where they are currently hanging out and not expect your platform to be the the center of their universe so i think i think apis are, are are pretty much like the the main thing that people need to be focusing on the other side is like you know it's it, it may sound a little odd but it's like i think it's like really focusing on what's like uniquely your thing so there's lots of folks that are are just out there and are chasing after stuff but are not creating any real real newness within their category so i think what what Companies have to really understand as they're building out their products is like what's the thing that you're really good at that's that's unlike anyone else in the category. And uh, you know, in, in in our space, there's lots and lots of folks who are out there building like invoicing and uh, invoicing and payments products that are. Mm. are- Fine for everybody, but you know, there's a new new set of competitors coming in every other day that that's doing this, and so I think as 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 the market just gets kind of cluttered with all these all these different all these different tools, it's it's a lot of them aren't even thinking about like what is it that they're doing, what's the problem that they're solving better than anybody else is today, as opposed mm-hmm. to just like identifying that people are doing something and chasing, chasing uh, a solution. So I think people really need to kind of take that step back and be like, and understand what is that the product and how are they creating a way better product market fit than anybody else in their category
2: and the unique problem that they're actually solving. I'm thinking about, just in my experience, I've never been fully in the product space, but knowing a little bit about development, a little bit about software development, and I've seen that the entry into launching a product over time has become easier, which means that, as you've just said, the market is usually saturated. In some markets in Mm -hmm. particular, the market is saturated by lots of solutions to problems. But it's the companies that go beyond that and think about the experience as well as the solution that are really gonna succeed. Is that a fair way to summarize what you've just said? Yeah a
3: hundred percent so even if you think about the small business space that 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 I'm in, you know everybody's out solving a specific kind of Problem as it relates to a workflow. And if you're only looking at workflows, then you're not really thinking of the, the core challenges that a, a, an owner will face. And having been a, a, a small business owner a couple times in my career, it's like, you know, yeah, great, you might need to get that solution for that specific type of pain point that you're looking to, to solve for. But the real problem I'm trying to solve for is like growth. Or mm. I'm trying to solve for like, how do I, how do I increase like the revenue on, 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 from each of my clients or, or, or diversify my client set. And you know, everybody's out there trying to send a better invoice. And and that's not the pain point. So so I think like backing it up to go like how can we actually you know within our product yeah they need to send an invoice. But the problem they're trying to solve for is growth. So how do how do we make sure that they can generate more revenue? How can we make sure that they can understand their cash flow better than anybody else, or or figure out how to manage their books better so they can actually you know not spend as much money. And so so I think that that's where we're always trying to like back it up to be like well what's the real kind of problem that that the business is having uh, from a client standpoint as opposed to just like thinking about. Out, like what's that specific type
2: of, of problem or pain that, that they're having with that feature. To close out today's podcast, I'm curious to know, just on that last note, are there any products or services? I'm going to take FreshBooks as a given because you work there and so you're thinking about this <laughs> stuff. But are there any products or services beyond FreshBooks that you just do a think, do an excellent job of giving you a solution as a customer, but then going beyond that to give you a really joyful experience? um yeah joy
3: joyful is a hard
2: one to get at, <laughs> but um
3: <laughs> you know I think um joyful experiences and and really enjoyable experiences are tough but but ones that I use all the time so so first like you know when i when I think of like what i what I do every day, the first thing I go into every single day is looker and so you know, that's like our place where we go and do all of our reporting. And um, the piece of that, which I just enjoy, is the ability to bring together all of the different data sources that we have across the company, whether they're in databases, whether they're in Salesforce, in GA, in uh, flat files on Google Drive, and, and be able to just harmonize that. And that's just like one of the biggest pain points that I've always had at every single company is a consistent view of the world, having one source of truth that everybody in the organization can look at. And, and then we eliminate any conversation around data integrity. And we all just know, even if it's wrong, at least we're all looking at the same wrong dashboard and we can have Mm -hmm. the argument over the, over the, the, the the facts that are presented there. But that's like a, a tool that we use or a tool that I've, I've come to really appreciate over, over the past few years. I'd say another one that, that I, I use quite often is Trello, and I know that it's it's fairly popular. And and you know what I what I just appreciate with Trello is is the ability to um, collaborate within it. So being able to like tag and track and put um, other people onto cards. Um, so when I need to have my like train of thought that i'm going to just be like dumping in and creating cards against like whether they're conversations that i'm having with people or whether they're they're against like you know um specific actions or 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 items that we're trying to track against i can at least be able to have that place and 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 communicate people in a a fairly real-time basis so so two two tools that I, i i really enjoy
2: it's brilliant it's funny isn't it the when you ask questions like that and when you think about the things that make your life easier it's sometimes you take it for granted they're there every day and that's a good sign of a product as if sometimes you're struggling to remember it's because you log in and it's become habit to use them every single day i feel the same way about trello trello is a product that's yeah i use most days and and yet if someone was to ask me for my favorite products that give me a great experience, it might not be top of mind for me because it's become so ingrained in my daily habit that I don't think of it as, as anything new. Yeah.
3: And, and I'm interested to see because they are owned by Atlassian now. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and just to see how they, cause they haven't really changed the product very much. And I'm just interested in seeing how that gets like kind of brought into the whole world of Confluence and Jira and, and, and if there is anything that's done specifically with that product.
2: I have to watch this space. Maybe try and get them on the podcast. That'll be my goal. See if I can yeah. get any inside info for you. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, this episode has been really interesting to explore these intersections between product and marketing. And if people want to learn more about you, your experience, your history, what you're doing at FreshBooks, where can they find you?
3: Yeah, for sure. Easiest place is on LinkedIn. I'm just uh, Paul K Cowan, or they can just Google uh, Cowan PKC uh, C O W A N PKC, and
2: then all my my socials and and everywhere will show up there. Brilliant. So those links will be in the show notes. For now, Paul, I just say thanks again for your time today. And this has been the Internet Marketing Podcast. Thanks for your time, Paul. Thank you.
0: Are you ready to enhance your future in tech?